0: Philosophy at the Movies, a podcast where we discuss themes in the history of philosophy through the medium of films. I'm Alex Baker, and joining me as always, Sean Baker. And today's topic is the 2020 film, Tenet. I always sometimes hassle about plot summary, you know, it's not (laughs) always my favorite, but I feel that this one, I almost feel we're going to have to do the whole, whole show just being able to... Yeah. Make sense of the plot. Yeah. Now, since this movie just came out about three, four months ago, I want to stress spoilers. If you have not seen this movie but you want to and you don't want to be spoiled, we will be spoiling this movie
1: to, to the extent possible. Yeah, it um, I'm. I really, uh, I'm really glad you're the person that does plot summaries for for yeah. these shows yeah, thank, because thanks for that, by the way, uh, uh, confession right up front, I've only watched it once. And uh, uh, Al's watched it, what, twice? It's my second time. So he's in a better position than I am, I think, to make sense out of it. I mean, I can describe it in general terms, but go for it. Oh, boy. Here we go.
0: (laughs) But um, so our film starts at an opera house, and there is this sort of terrorist group that takes the place hostage. But as we see it, there's a SWAT team that's heading in, but... We also see that there are a couple CIA agents disguising as part of the SWAT. The reason why they're doing this, why the hostage takeover, is one of the attendees is working with the CIA, and he's been made. They need to get him out of there. And he has this mysterious device. And it looks like they've pulled off a successful escape with the device. Our lead CIA agent gets, who was unnamed, by the way. We never find out his name. Yeah. But he is the the actor is the son of Denzel Washington, so we can call him Denzel Washington's son, if you want. <laughs> but um, he, you, you he,
1: don't want to call him the protagonist, the like the protagonist. Uh, yeah. He actually well, calls so himself we, we, that. That's a spoiler yeah. right there.
0: <laughs> but he gets he gets captured and they're interrogating him, and he s- is successfully takes a cyanide capsule before ratting out his own men. But he, re- he wakes up, realizes that the cyanide was a fake. But apparently, I guess the Ukrainians just assumed he was dead and left him there. But the CIA picked him up. And this, the, one of the guys says that was a test. And now we're recruiting you for this special mission, mission called Tenet. And from there, he goes to a secret area where he learns about what this new weapon that inverts entropy of an object. And the thing is, this woman shows him a bullet. And she goes the shooting range into this big giant rock and there's bullet holes in it. And she says point and click. But the gun has no bullets in the clip. But he points it anyway and the bullets come out of the rock and into the gun and right back in the clip as if it's already been loaded. So then he learns that... Through, that there is a Indian arms dealer who has been dealing these weapons. So he goes there, he meets up with this secret agent, Neil, who helps him get into this compound of this arms dealer. He realizes that the arms dealer is not a man, but a woman. She's been using the disguise as a man to help her get what she needs. And she points him out that she those, the bullets and the weapons she sold to this Russian were regular, not through this entropy, this new device, but he has them. So he goes, meets through this woman who is married to him, and she was blackmailed because she sold him a, unknowingly sold him a forgery, and he's been lording that over there to be his wife, and they have a child, and he's trying to make a contact with him, and then he promises to go to a art place in switzerland yeah to get this art that's he's the forgery he's holding over to help her out and also find that he's using using this um entropy for plutonium to gain and which throws in that he if falls into his hands he might be looking to destroy the world Mm -hmm. so they pull off this heist but they don't find the um painting and they fight with these two people which, But these two people are antagonists. They have been using the entropy. They are entropy themselves, so it fights backwards. There's a gunfight. The bullets are in the glass plexiglass, and they come out as he's shooting him. Yeah. We see Neil, the other guy, fighting this guy, but he pulls off the mask, and he looks and he leaves him alone. And then just when they're interrogating this guy, it looks like they're about to shoot him in the arm. He flies back after the explosion because there's an explosion to create a diversion. They go back. He makes contact with um, the Russian um, Seder. Yeah. And through Seder, we've learned that he was, back when the Soviet Union was still around, he was cleaning the rubble debris of a um, plant.
1: Yeah, a nuclear test site, I think it was. He
0: found something with his name in it with this thing called the um, algorithm, (laughs) Yeah. which creates this entropy yeah and there's gold bars in there and there's too gold bars in it yeah. too so through that he's become this fortune of this massive arms dealer so i i feel like we're gonna ta- i've already taken about six minutes so i so
1: <laughs> that's that's fine
0: I, i'm going on to a bit too long but basically he's has he, he, he's dying of pancreatic cancer yeah and he's basically using this thing called a turnstile which is now using to go time and backwards right to get back to this point where he was Somewhat happy he was on vacation with his wife in Vietnam and he was going to die that day, but also that it would set off this Yeah, like, the, al- the device, the, the, algorithm. The, the algorithm device, which yeah. would basically cause this massive chain reaction that simply put would put would destroy the entire world,
1: yeah, or the universe. Yeah. We're never so, quite sure here, yeah. yeah. So he literally world. can destroy the world, yeah. So our
0: main character, Denzel Washington's son, goes back in time ta- as he goes through the turnstile himself. There's this, he meets up with Neo. They have this other um, crew of Tenet, this whole basically army. They raid his secret base. Yes. All in all, they save the day. But then at the end, Neo reveals to him because this organization's Tenet was founded in the future because a lot of the stuff that this stuff happened was also in the future. Yeah. And we find out that our main character is not just a simple part of this. He is the protagonist. He yeah. created Tenet, and at the end, yeah. he's about to. The Indian woman is about to assassinate Kat, the wife of Sator, to basically tie up any loose ends because she went, He went. He had her through the turnstile to save her because she was shot with an inverted round. Right. But he saves her. He kills the assassins. He kills her. And so that's pretty much how the movie ends. If you're confused. I, I I seen it twice. I'm not a hundred percent. I didn't want to make the whole the whole show <laughs> just us summarizing the plot. Yeah, but that's it. I will say I, watching it the second time, I've it was a little bit more clear the first time. But yeah, it's it. it this is typical. No, like some people. It's
1: Nolan on steroids. It's, yeah, it's not even. It's almost not right to say it's typical Nolan, it's Nolan on steroids. I mean, I can tell you, I'm only after one viewing, I think you did a hell of a job with that synopsis. It's cleared some things up for me. I get the idea, and this kind of happens with his films a lot, you get the basic idea, the general idea, the... the kind of philosophical nugget he wants to explore, right? Yes. Like in Memento, you see him exploring the issue uh, or, or what it would be like to be a person that has uh, no short-term memory and is literally reborn every you know, two minutes to five minutes trying to figure out where the hell they are. You get that quick. You understand the premise. But it takes you two or three viewings to figure out the exact storyline. Well, the same thing's going on here. Uh, The basic premise seems to be that uh, time travel is possible and that uh, even though it is possible, all of the events in any given chain of uh, uh, events are fixed. They will not change. So all you can do to, as it were, uh, affect a more positive outcome is uh, jump back in time and, and try to uh, try to uh, make the events uh, not necessarily completely different but uh, still flowing and occurring exactly as they did but uh, but with in some sense a more positive result that seems to be the case and there's only one timeline here Um Unlike some other films we looked looked at, it looked like you know you you you're basically working with the multiple world hypothesis, uh, Mister Nobody, which we yeah, didn't watch. We didn't watch, but even um, our last episode, uh, the Christmas episode, um, "It's a Wonderful Life," seems to explore alternate possible worlds, right? And George is mm-hmm. kind of taken to an alternate possible world in that one. This one, there are no alternate possible worlds. The only World you can jump back in time to is your own world, right? So you have this very interesting case of all of the characters in this film um, being able to jump back uh, from, uh, as as it were, a future time um, to the present with more information than their, their alter ego, their self has at that present time. So part of the thing here, as far as I can tell with Neil and the protagonist is, you know, they're jumping uh, back to certain crucial events in the storyline, knowing more about what Kenneth Brana, bad guy Russian is doing and uh, knowing what they need to be do to be able to forestall his, uh, his uh, attempts at ending the world mm. <laughs> and himself, or at least, or preventing it altogether, right? Um, so they they jump back to different parts of the story's sequence, and Kat does this as well once she's recruited and understand what understands what the hell's going on. Um, and it's interesting, you know, they're either trying to prevent their earlier selves from doing things that'll screw things up, or uh, aiding them in some way uh, to allow the ultimately positive outcome to occur. Even though it's true, nevertheless, that the positive outcome, um, uh, there isn't going to be any other outcome, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the kind of the pathos in that scene later in the movie where Neil uh, reveals to... uh, Denzel Washington's son, that he's yeah. actually the guy that is like the head dude at uh, yeah, Tenet.
0: They've known each other for years. For years
1: and years yeah. and years, and he, and he leaves after revealing this to him. Um, you don't know this about yourself, but you're, you're a pretty big wig in the future. But he leaves in order to go back to the events we had just seen in the film, prevent that character from being killed so that he can prevent the algorithm from uh, you know, uh, ending the world. And you, you see uh, the protagonist cry a little bit, tears on his eyes, because he realizes what Neil's doing. He's sacrificing himself. And it apparently is going to always be the case with Neil. And no matter how many times he jumps back in time, at that point in time, he will lose his life. Uh, Sacrificing himself there. It's interesting. I mean, uh, again, it's him exploring this premise. There's only one universe, and you can time travel backwards in time. Just don't touch your earlier self, or or that's going to screw things up. Which, but doesn't
0: make sense because we find out when they have that fight at the airport that Denzel Washington's son was fighting with himself. So they were in contact with each other. They
1: were not in. Physical skin to skin contact. They yeah. had protective clothing on. That's okay. Uh-oh.
0: That's okay. They okay. made that clear. Okay. You
1: didn't see that in the second go around. Because I was thinking the same thing. It's a good thing he's wearing the the mask and the protective yeah. suit. Because yeah, gotta be If it was skin to skin, boom. You, 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 it's matter antimatter, right? You're gonna. But just... If I, that was
0: me, I would be running as far away as I can from him, making <laughs> sure because you're getting in close quarters. Like, what if you know your yeah. exposed part of the glove touches his yeah. exposed part of his wrist or something? And then Seems
1: you, like it. Seems like
0: madness it. happens,
1: but it's interesting. So that's the basic premise of the film, right? There's only one, there's only one world. There are not multiple universes and you can time travel in it. Now, given that's the case and given that this is, uh, as you said earlier, kind of typical Nolan. And I said, it's Nolan on steroids. Yeah. It, it's interesting because it brings to mind, I think, uh, authorial intent again, I think he designed this thing intentionally, more so than earlier films, uh, intentionally making it very convoluted and complex in order to bring people back for multiple viewings. And I don't believe just two. Because I really think, I mean, just looking at it myself, it's probably going to take me seven or eight times to get this thing okay. straight.
0: It's two and a half hours, so you're going to yeah. have to make your time for it.
1: And take notes and... So forth. It's kind of funny because, as you know, I, I teach a philosophy through film class right at the academy, and mm-hmm. um, uh, that's where we got the title for the uh, podcast here to some extent, right? And I remember asking because some of the some of the some of the students had seen this already uh, toward the end of the semester, and I remember asking because we do two Nolan films: we do Memento and we do Inception. And I remember asking them, guys, what do you think? Um, Do you think this film would work for this class? And to a person, the ones that did see it, and there were about five, I think, they all said, no, it's actually too complex for uh, a typical unit we do with the course. You'd almost have to spend weeks on it just to straighten out the Plot line. And I tend to agree with that. And I think think that gives reason to say that m- maybe Nolan overdid it here.
0: That's always the question With sometimes when you have these movies that require multiple viewings. One of the things people say if people don't like it is like, well, if it requires you to watch it three, four, five, six times, does that lessen the quality? The fact that, you know, some movies you can watch and you get it the first time. Even yeah. If it's a little bit complex, you can overall get the gist of it. But this is a movie like I've seen it two times you I and I'm not st- I still realize I probably need to see it another two or three times just to fully grasp it does that lessen the quality of the movie does that mean it's a lesser movie than something he did like you know the dark knight which is considered an all-time classic and you can easily follow along with that
1: yeah that it, it it's interesting in terms of complexity it's somewhere in between the dark knight uh Right, let me rephrase let that. It's, it's on an extreme, or maybe Dark Knight's on the, the, the other extreme of being easy to grasp, comprehend in one take, so to speak. And then you have Tenet on the other extreme. Um, guaranteed it's going to take you five or six viewings at minimum to figure out what the hell's going on. But in the middle are successful Nolan films, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Memento is a good ex- example. And Inception. You can get a pretty good handle on those, and they're entertaining uh, in two viewings, I think, maybe three. This one, I think, is almost too confusing on a first viewing here, too confusing to be entertaining. You're kind of blown away by the special effects and the premise.
0: The, the visuals, I mean, so, like that, because that, yeah. using the. You know this whole thing about time. I mean, there is some stuff that, even though I was a hundred percent sure, I'm still blown away. Like the car chase when the car is yeah, going yeah. backwards and we see it crash on the ground and it props right back up. Yeah. And even that the coolest of as far as using that time is when the blue team and the red team at the same time has to hit that building. So one time it's like go, it blows up. Gets rebuilt and then blows up again. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, that was, that was
1: cool. fantastic. Yeah, and even the little bit, uh, nice little bit, which they had given exposition before; otherwise, you'd be very confused. There's a ton of exposition. There's in a, this yeah. Movie. This is like exposition on steroids again. Yeah. But they give you give it to you beforehand, so you kind of know why it's happening. Is when uh, uh, Russian bad guy Branna uh, throws the lighter in the gasoline to start the fire after that car chase, uh, yeah. and you see ice form because of. Reverse entropy. The heat is being sucked out of the system instead That's of put into cold. it. Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty neat. And those those things are neat. But the overall effect for me on a first viewing is, damn, this is confusing enough to, to really kind of get in the way of the entertainment. Um, it is compelling me to watch it a second time but you know what i'm not sure if i'm going to even grasp it a second time so it's going to compel me to watch it a third or fourth or fifth time you know what i don't know if i want to invest that much time in one
0: film there's other movies out there yeah Yeah.
1: so i think if that's the case i think he's working at cross purposes with himself with this one he kind of i think he overdid it with the complexity
0: and which when you have this complexity there's even all these theories because one of the popular theories on the internet is we see cat have a son and many many times she says she's makes she's made many decisions about her son mm-hmm. people have pointed out that his he has blonde kind of wavy hair just like neil yeah so a lot of people think neil is cat's son and they don't you, you can tell he doesn't really have much conversation with her yeah. keeps himself at a distance and as far as Sater the Russian who is his father he never contacts him at all so I'm what you I mean there's no it's just kind of wonder is yeah. is he this is
1: and this is uh, this is a classic open end for uh mm-hmm. Nolan too right i mean yeah. Uh, the other example I can think of from him, his opus is the Sammy Jenkins thing. Is is mm-hmm. Sammy in fact Lenny in Memento? We never quite know, and we're given hints that he is right. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's doing that again here, and again that's to compel those second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth viewings or more.
0: Yes. And I think, um, and as you see, all the na- a lot of the names in this movie, it comes from the Satyr Square. And yeah. I think people who don't know that it is, it's this palindrome that goes back. It was, there was a thing they found in the fall of Pompeii. Yeah. It's basically what opera, Seder, arepo, tenet. Yep, And then, um, seder spelled backwards. Yeah. And, and it is basically, you go any way you go horizontally or vertically, it's going to spell the same way, just like a man, a plan, a canal, Panama. Right. And it is apparently they, they've used that for many Christian imagery going way 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 back in you know the roman times and so he's used that because you know satyr's the russian tenant is the name of the organization yeah. the raid is on an opera house the art dealer that got um cat into trouble his name is arepo right so it is. it just he's he seems like he's used easy he, modeled that for the entire theme of this movie yeah
1: and, and you know part of the part of the reason Tenet is chosen as the title of the film and the t- uh, the, the name of the uh, super secret organization, organization. Um, that ultimately is running things from the future here uh, is that it is, like you said, a palindrome. It reads the same backward and forward, and that's supposed to be kind of representative of these people being able to go backward and forward in time and retain their uh, identity. Um, I've always wondered uh in, in terms of uh, the possibility of time travel, um, whether or not, and this is kind of getting into, I think, your next topic here, whether or not uh, uh, the premise is actually
0: possible. Yeah, because one of the things that we're talking about with time travel, one of the things I was thinking about is this movie corresponding with the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, I, I think it was—it was it was coined by a short story by Ray Bradbury or basically is if you go back in time you will affect anything even the most minor thing like say you accidentally step on a butterfly could have drastic effects like in the short story of the Ray Bradbury mm-hmm. there's a time travel is very popular and per, supposedly when they're about to leave there was this hotly contested election and the person who was this you know dreaded fascist nearly won but he lost by like the thinnest of margins when they go, so they go back in time. They're told, "You stay on this path. You don't touch a thing." They do, but one guy strays just the tiniest little bit. Yeah. and he steps on a butterfly. Yeah, they go back in time, and now that fascist has now won the election. They're now thrown in yeah. prison. Yeah,
1: and uh, that's uh, certainly an element in this film. But what's interesting, I think, is that it it basically is making the argument that. Uh, there isn't butterfly effects there are not butterfly effects in the in the chain of events that occur in the film everything is for lack of a better term set in stone determined i forget what the exact phrases neil uses more than once what's yeah. happened happened has yes. happened so it isn't there isn't that sensitivity to perturbations in the initial mm-hmm. conditions so to speak
0: yeah like in the this universe. phrase of going back in time and killing hitler as like a Yeah, before he went on his exactly
1: right, and and
0: And they're saying if you do that, he'll survive, or somebody else will take over in power who's just as bad as he was. Yeah, and
1: and about all you can do in that case is try to mitigate the circumstances to some extent, but he will always survive, according to that view. Um, Now, the one I wonder about though is they and they give brief mention to this in the film is uh, the so-called grandfather's paradox, Mm -hmm. right? And the idea is, uh, uh, you can kind of state it as an argument, and it leads to a paradoxical result. And Neil says in the film, "Well, it's just a paradox; you just have to accept it." Um, some people have argued that uh, no, what it means, what it shows you is, if, if you if you make an initial prim, uh, assumption and draw uh, through a uh, process of argumentation. Uh, a uh, an absurd conclusion from that assumption that shows you that that initial assumption Uh, uh, the assumption you made that this is true that it's possible is in fact not the case and it goes something like this with regard to time travel Um, let's say time travel is possible there's your assumption Uh, let's say you travel back in time and far enough and you find um uh one or more of your grandparents and kill them well that means ultimately uh further down the line um you were not born right because mm-hmm. the grandparents didn't ex- or didn't were killed before they could have children right and i guess mm-hmm. that's what you have to say here right um, then your parents would have, wouldn't have come into existence, right? And if your parents couldn't come into existence, you couldn't come into existence. So that means you could have never traveled back in time in order to attempt this uh, killing of the grandparents, right? So that means you would have, it means you, you, never, you never would have existed. So it looks like the assumption you make here that um, time travel is possible leads to the result that you both exist and don't exist. That's a logical contradiction. It's absurd. So some people take that as a proof that time travel, at least backwards in time, right? We all naturally travel forward in time. That's no problem. But um, uh, time travel literally meaning traveling backwards in time is not possible, right? And we know from physics, you know, relativistic physics, um, that uh, time does continue to flow forward, but um, at least subjectively. It can, uh, the rate at which it flows can alter. Uh, And Nolan explores that again in Interstellar, right? Uh, Where uh, the main character
0: there returns back to Earth and his daughter is very old. So, this movie was also, even outside the theater, there's some issues here because obviously COVID has, you know, basically limited so many releases this year. A lot of stuff was put on streaming and was meant to be in the theaters. Yeah. Other big tentpole movies were pushed back and are coming out this year, such as the new James Bond movie. This, But Nolan was insistent, saying, I need this to be in the theaters. I am not putting this on streaming. He delayed it. It was supposed to come out in August. I think it came out around Labor Day, so that's about a two, three-month delay. Yeah. And it lost a lot of money at the box office. And, you think, and his thing was, there are certain movies... I think his defense was some movies you just have to see in theaters. Not only with this big spectacle of, you know, like what we did with the time and the action sequences, but, you know, like I said, this is a movie that requires multiple viewings. And I think what he was trying to do with this is... Almost save movie theaters because he also has spoken out because um, Warner Brothers has now pushed all their movies that are slated to come out this year, 2021, mm-hmm. on HBO Max, meaning that yeah. the day it comes out in theaters, you can just watch it on HBO Max if you don't want to go to the theater. He's, him and Denis Villeneuve, who's done Arrival and Blade Runner, yeah. have criticized this, saying that you're basically killing the movie theater. And I'm wondering. Is his insistence not bad because not realizing that we are in a pandemic and people don't want to go into a theater to catch catch this disease? Or was he right in saying if theaters are dying and if we don't do this, then even when this pandemic ends everything's going to be pushed to streaming and movie theaters are now going to be obsolete.
1: Yeah. um, My my reaction tends to be if he was trying to save movie theaters, right? the experience of going to a theater and watching a movie on a big screen, there's nothing quite like that. Um, Getting back to the last... Our He's last been episode insisted
0: on his stuff being in IMAX too, yeah. which is an even bigger experience than just like your local yeah. theater. You, you
1: can't duplicate that. 2001 A Space Odyssey is, a, for me, the, the classic example being an older person. And maybe he uh, has something like that in mind with this film.
0: Or the very first Star Wars.
1: Yeah. I mean, you just there's nothing quite like seeing it in a big screen, darkened room with the surround sound around you. You can't mimic that on a in a television, even with headphones on, you can't do it. Now, if that's the case, then I I, I do tend to think he's, he's being a, a little bit incautious and short-sighted mm-hmm. because uh, we do have the pandemic
0: going on. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy at the Movies. You can find this podcast and more podcasts produced by the Stockdale Center by visiting the Radio Stockdale page at usna.edu. This program is hosted by Radio Stockdale you can also listen to their podcasts such as Ethics and the Naval Warrior and the Do-Over if you like this podcast you might be interested in my other podcast Real Sounds where each episode I dedicate to classic movie soundtracks that can be found online at the sound of so until next time I'm Alex Baker
1: and I'm Sean Baker
0: Sing so long and be sure to catch us next time on Philosophy at the Movies